Hello, this is the last will and testament of Jack Frayne Reed. Sorry, sorry, I've had to change the documentation recently. John and Peter Mark Frayne Reed, no hyphen, and Mr. Tom Foster. Thank you for having me. For <laughs> <laughs> this last will and testament. Yeah, we are about, about to put our lives significantly at risk. I'd say. Um, we may not make it out yes, tonight. Yes. The Oxstead Picture House is known for its mass shootings. <laughs> yes. Who's to say, you know, one of us may even be the one who ends up doing it. I'm not saying that there's, a, oh, there's right. nothing premeditated going on here. I'm saying this movie is supposed to be this kind of, like, gateway drug to chaos, hostility and murder. Opposing the government and opposing the Conservatives, I'm afraid it's the hard left who want to tighten their control. They want to uh, sideline uh, moderate voices. I don't think anybody should be surprised about that is the nature of the hard left. And of course, we know that the hard left famously cannot tolerate any who dissent. Are the hard left, What's it? Well, we know who the hard left are in the you know ascendancy within the, within the Labour Party who associate with the hard left. You just said that we were right to right wing the hard left agenda. Printing money, nationalisation without compensation, that sort of hard left wing position. Hard sort of left, the hard 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 left, hard left, hard left, the hard left, the hard left, 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 the 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 hard left, supposed to be influencing everyone who could potentially go out and commit a, a violent crime supposedly it's supposedly it's a, a call to incels and all sorts but what exactly I'm intrigued to, yeah i'm intrigued to see kind of where you know if, if anything the media have been saying about the film turns out to be true i, could... I think it's just going to be an incredibly undercooked affair yeah, I know i mean, like yeah i mean i i could just turn around and tom is just like shooting me He's just next to me with his gun, just like bang, 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 and I'm like, ah, oh, I've been shot. <laughs> Some dark imagery to start off our episode. Yeah. Quite a bumper episode. It'll Quite be. a bumper episode. Yeah. Of course, tonight we are going to see, um, what what Joker. Well, I was gonna do, say I was gonna do a joke. So tonight we're going to see um, Ant Man three. Yes. Yes, the, <laughs> the, next, the, next the baddest ant around. Martin Scorsese's favourite film, supposedly. Yes, this, so I've heard. The video is yet to come out. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I mean... He I, was right, OK? He was, he's absolutely right in what he's saying. Yeah, Martin Leave Scorsese. Leave Marty alone. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm sure... Uh, I don't dislike Marvel as much as you. No, I, that I, would be difficult, look, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but I don't hold it up to a level that obviously some people... Do. And I know some, yeah. some of our listeners do like the Marvel films a lot, so hey, it's just our opinion. Don't don't judge us. Well, you know? I'd say the yardstick by which I've always measured whether or not something is cinema is whether I go along and am able to enjoy it in the comfort of either my own home or the cinema without getting shot. No, 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 no. It's all in this case, it. though, my expectations have been inverted and actually... If I don't get shot tonight, 
I will be severely disappointed, and I will be I will be calling up Mr. Todd Phillips, and I will be asking, not only for my money back, but I'll but when he says, this is a terrible twisted thing you're doing, calling me up and saying that you should have been shot at my movie, I'll say, well, you're not allowed to say anything anymore. It's political correctness yes. gone mad. Oh yeah. It's woke culture. What I love about that is that one of the, one of the cast actually came out and said, "That's bullshit, Todd, and you know it." <laughs> Just basically called him out on it and said, "You know, it's." You Who know, was it? Was, was it was it Robert De Niro? I'll punch your fucking face in, Todd. Fuck him. <laughs> yeah, fuck him. Fuck him. <laughs> it was. I can't. I don't know which cast member it was. I will. We'll look into it. Everybody, all right? I'm Mark Marin. And I just want you to know that uh, there's a lot of things as I get older, like people are asking me, what do I think about Todd Phillips, what he, what he said in an interview about uh, why he doesn't make comedies anymore. He's directed The Joker, and it's because, you know, you can't be funny anymore. It's gotten too difficult to be funny with woke culture. You know, that tired saw, that old saw. Uh, you know, there's plenty of people being funny right now. Not only being funny, but being really fucking funny. There are lines, still lines to be rode. If you like to ride a line, you can still ride a line. If you want to take chances, you can still take chances. I mean, really, the the only thing that's off the table culturally at this juncture, and not even entirely, is... Uh, you know, shamelessly punching down for the sheer joy of hurting people, for the sheer excitement and laughter that some people get from causing people pain, from making people uncomfortable, from making people feel excluded. Uh, you know, that that excitement. And as I've said before, it's it's no excuse. I mean, if you're too intimidated to try to do comedy that is deep or provocative or even a little controversial, you know, without hurting people, then, I mean, you're not good at what you do. But he was basically saying, oh, that's ridiculous, Todd. There's like loads of great comedians out there. The difference is they don't punch down, they punch up. Which, well, if you yeah. look at the films of Todd Phillips, most of his the jokes in his films are punching down, targeting disabled people, easy targets, really. Well, we'll have to the see. The Trilogy is the prime example of that, really. What well, was the other one he did? Was it with Robert Downey Jr. and... Zachary yeah, Rams? some due date? That was the one. Yeah. That was the one. Well, we'll have to see, obviously, how the comedy stylings of Todd Phillips' movies compare to those of the infamous funny man of, of Gotham, that <laughs> Mr. Joker. Yeah. It's going to be a laugh on the Joker. Yeah. yeah, so this episode may end up being sort of, you know, four to five minutes long. If we don't make it out for cinema tonight, that is... Yes. Well, what we will we'll probably talk about is we'll talk about Joker, if we are able to see it. If if we're not... De- if. If we're not... We, we hopefully will talk yes. about Joker. Yes. Yeah. But we will be able to probably talk about the whole thing around Martin Scorsese and Marvel films, maybe. Yeah. Because we've, we've only very briefly spoken about Marvel on the show, passing comment and stuff. I've always kind of held back. <laughs> I'll say. It's because, I, you know, I'm always into the, the triangulation, you know, trying to keep the biggest possible audience from across the political spectrum yes. for real politics. Yes. yes. 
that means Marvel now is a no-go area. No an ideological <laughs> rainbow coalition. Yeah, and Marvel movies, for some reason, like they are like the most popular movies, and so yeah, Endgame be... was the the highest grossing film now, and so that means we're not yeah. gonna see the end of superhero films for the next ten years. <laughs> yeah, well, I've not the seen. Cycle's it. gonna carry on. I've not seen an Avengers film since the Avengers and I've yes, not I've not God. seen one of the individual ones in the cinema since Iron Man 3 which came out in like 2013 one of the better ones one of the better ones yeah it's okay but it's also like a weird kind of like advert for the Chinese military like so many blockbusters <laughs> these days I guess that makes it more ideologically correct than just like another you know America KKK and uh, yeah. prop piece of propaganda the biggest takeaway I get from the Marvel films is that the CIA is actually very good. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. So speaking American national security, <laughs> damn it. Yeah. So if we don't make it out tonight, what are our plans for the show? Who take who assumes control of real politics corporation? Well, are we feeling that we're not gonna get to go see the film. No, I just mean if we get murdered. Oh, right, okay. Come on, man. Okay. Of course we're going to go and see I the know, film. I know Oxted was rough. It's but, the cinematic yeah. event of the year. It's the film. Um, we're going to watch it, and we're going to we're gonna be like, wow, why has this got so much... Well, uh, the thing is, the studio is essentially rubbing their hands going, ah, this is brilliant, all this, this, this coverage. This controversy. All this controversy. It's just going to make people go watch it. Yeah, they're loving it because I mean it's probably not like that good, so it's probably not going to get people that crazed. Uh, I have a feeling we're going to watch it and be like, oh, I wish I could watch the King of Comedy right now. Yeah, instead. well, yeah. you know, I'm looking at, I'm hoping for a good film anyway. I'm looking forward to something yeah. that's got a bit I'll of. Uh, try to avoid as many reviews of it as possible, to so I can go in with a somewhat open mind. Yeah, but I know broadly what we're going to get. I'm super tired as well, so I'm going to have to get really baked so I don't get like annoyed by trivial things about it. You know. <laughs> Like they take too long with a scene I'm just there like I hate you fuck you you know we've got to make sure we've got all that covered yeah we're, yeah. we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna cover our backs and we're gonna give you if we make it back from the the theater alive yeah if uh, that's a big if, fucking big if. if man the episode and if there's only 20 uh, there's only a minute or a couple of minutes left on this episode you know what's happened yeah you know what's happened but, but I, I well my successor has padded it out yeah. with a load of music and, and clips of Chris uh, Leslie. Afraid it's the hard left. Got hold of the recording <laughs> and has been able to do this as a kind of this is this is the last recording available. <laughs> this... and the rest of the episode is just like a eulogy to. Yeah, uh, real politic is now over. The BBC will be closing down forever. Yeah. See, what other podcasts would people quote for like? crappy 25 minute 1999 Monty Python reunion sketches distributed throughout 1999's BBC Python night which Eric Idle didn't even participate in <laughs> which to be honest isn't that big of a loss but I mean if Eric Idle's not getting involved it's yeah then there can't have been much money involved yeah, basically yeah. <laughs> it's like the BBC well, they don't pay very much fuck off <laughs> <laughs> That was the end of Monty Python. And now the BBC is closing down. Forever. (laughs) 
and Tom died of vaping. <laughs> he, he, he died of vaping for same substances that Tim Heidecker murdered 20 teenagers with at the Electric Sun Music <laughs> Festival. The, the, the vape exploded in the auditorium and killed us all. Yeah, yeah, that was the mass shooting. It was just shards was of vape just going into... Ah, my eyes! The, the, the dark forces will come together and be like, actually, no, they meant that to happen. And all those innocent people that were trying to watch that lovely, jolly film, Joker, were denied it by the, the evil of one of the members of Real Politic <laughs> and their unknowingly exploding vape pen. Ah, the vape, it's got all in the sides of yeah. my mouth and as given Trump me said, a permanent grin. As Trump said, kids are coming home, they're stressed and they're saying, Mom, I want to vape. Vaping has become a very big business, as I understand it, like a giant business in a very short period of time. But we can't allow people to get sick, and we can't have our youth be so affected. And I'm hearing it, and that's how the first lady got involved. She's got a son together that is a a beautiful young man, and she feels very, very strongly about it, especially vaping as it pertains to innocent children. And they're coming home, and they're saying, Mom, I want to vape. <laughs> Play the clip. <laughs> <laughs> it is that is well anyway i wanted this to be a short and sweet thing about us potentially getting murdered so i'll leave it for now <laughs> milk and you have the milk that is taken from cows in the south and taken from cows in the north put together in the same factory and then it is mixed together with whiskey and it comes out as milk Hello. Hi. So. <laughs> okay, this is Jack just doing, once again, an emergency clarification to round out this episode. So, since seeing Joker with Tom a little bit ago, the episode has been delayed because of a general election. I've had time to consider the merits of Joker and take in the considered critique of the Film Chat podcast and other people who approached it with a more sober and thoughtful attitude. Now, my contrarian take that it's the best movie in its genre, I think still stands up because my hatred for every other film in that genre grows by the day. Whether it's a particularly good film or not, I'm not sure. I think I enjoyed the novelty of this, it being this strange cultural artefact. And, you know, like I say in the review, I found it very funny, which nobody else did. So maybe I was laughing at it rather than with it at times. But possibly in a few years' time, when social realist clown movie is a thing, it is, is a genre in itself, it won't seem so novel to me, and I will see more reaction in it than I did at the time. I mean, there's a couple of things. I briefly mention very late on in the review that... The portrayal of his mother as both a victim of abuse and an abuser, I think, is very problematically drawn. In retrospect, I think it's quite a misogynistic plotline, this idea that she, whilst being abused herself, was you know, equally complicit in what happened to Arthur Fleck in his upbringing. And secondly, you know, I think that rather like Three Billboards in Ebbing, Missouri, 
they basically do just have a character with dwarfism as some comic relief. Admittedly, Arthur Fleck doesn't murder him or anything, and he's portrayed as one of the nicer guys in the movie, but come on, it's an excuse for the non-nice characters to take the piss out of him and uh, Todd Phillips too. So it's not a super like left-wing film or anything. Please take my immediate response to it with a pinch of salt, but I think solid three-star movie. That's, that's what I'll say. This is the recording following the screening yeah you will have heard like Joker. the prior fucking 10 minutes or whatever that we recorded which was just us talking about our imminent trip to see the joker and of course we come to you now from beyond the grave <laughs> this is a seance has been conducted yair is just there in his living room like uh with some like household items on a table. I'm trying to think back to that film Hereditary because that's the last thing I saw where they did a seance. Anyway, this bit's run its course. So, we have just been to see the Joker. Sorry, Joker. Nova. Yes, please get the title right. This is a serious film. Yes, yeah, sorry. It's similarly to how Todd Phillips' first film is not called The Hated Gigi Allen and the murder junkies. Perhaps it would have been if it was written by Mr. Seamus Milne, who famously <laughs> refers to his enemies as the hated, insert, hated individual here, such as David Aronovich. But no, 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 the film is called Hated, Gigi Allen and the murder junkies. And this film, if anything, it's about the guy who's kind of like in the current popular culture, kind of like carrying on the legacy of Gigi Allen in many ways. It's kind of a very outre figure. Turns out Tom earlier didn't know who Gigi Allen was. I've been informed. So yeah, a bit of context here. <laughs> Todd Phillips' first film was about this infamous kind of cult punk rocker called Gigi Allen, who was famous for like doing things like he'd like stick the mic up his ass on stage, he would shit on the stage and piss on the stage, and he would like roll around in his own shit and piss. He would like smash bottles on the stage and do harm to himself with, you know, anything around and of course regularly try and harm others and get into fights with audiences and throw chairs at people in the front row and throw feces yeah yeah he'd throw shit at the the crowd yes and todd phillips was super fascinated by this guy long before he made the hangover films and then long before he would make old school yeah oh yeah old school yeah well i've never seen old school i can't tell you in fact like you know how yeah i don't find it very easy Um, to fall asleep during movies the hangover sorry hangover the Hangover trilogy. <laughs> just, just Hangover, There's Tom. There's three of those no, films, no, Jack. Yeah, well, whatever one of them I watched was, like, one of the only films that I've ever fallen asleep during. Which one? Was it the first one or the second? Uh, probably the first one, <laughs> probably, because I hadn't seen any of them, and my friend was like, oh, they're jokes, man, we should watch The Hangover, I mean, I did, and I fell asleep, which I never do, so, you know, not a high recommendation. This is probably in sick form. I've never revisited any of them since, because, you know, why would you... There's plenty of good comedy out there. Yeah, I mean, the Hangover films, they're very much kind of... They're just always in this like, ridiculous situation. It's like, oh, it's, you know, it's a tiger in a room. It's, it's just like, kind of the most... <laughs> the tiger you know, who came to tea. It's so random, and yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's like, whoa, it's so random. It, you know, it, there's, there's no, like, build-up to any of the comedy or any genuine wit in the Hangover films. Mm. I don't even think there's a Hangover in... The, 
the third hang of the film. <laughs> There's just a plot with John Goodman. Like, they find the cure. <laughs> it's just, yeah. At long last. Todd Phillips, he's a genius. Todd Phillips, and he wanted to prove that he's a serious filmmaker, and he made Joker. Yeah, there was a, I think there was a film in between, though. There was War Dogs, which was like a super mediocre. Oh. It's like one of those films with a political setting that isn't political. Hey, man, isn't the military-industrial complex as portrayed by, like, Jonah Hill and Bradley Cooper really kooky and funny? Or, you know, that, that's kind of a vibe I got from, you know, again, the first, like, 45 minutes of the film or whatever, and then I had to go, and then I never watched the rest of it because I thought mm. it was very, very, very uninspiring. And that thing I just said about films with a political backdrop that aren't political, former real politic guest Violet Luca has written a big piece about that. I, can't, I think it was for Sight and Sound, actually. But she talked mm. about shite films like Yankee Hotel Foxtrot or whatever. Not the Wilco album, the one with uh, Tina Fey, where, again, she goes to a war zone and then it says nothing of consequence about politics. But they're yeah, okay. in a war zone, so it's satire, you know? Yeah. So that was like the intermediary Todd Phillips work where he dipped his toe in the water of more serious filmmaking and now he has gone full serious with a film about a, a clown from some comic books. Yeah, what do we call it? Social realist clown movie. Social realist clown movie. Yeah, <laughs> as we were saying, when Seltzer and Alka Seltzer or whatever they're called, the duo who make all those shite fucking parody oh, movies. Yeah, when Seltzer. the clown craze really kicks off and social realist clown movie does become a proper subgenre in itself, you know, taking elements of brassed off elements for Joker, yeah. for, gri- for gritty <laughs> scenes of, you know, hate crimes and stuff from It Chapter 2. You know, I, I think then at that point, Alka-Seltzer and company and sons <laughs> will then make a film called Social Realist Clown Movie. <laughs> and to be honest, if you're like still listening to Real Politic at this point, you know it's going to take me a while to get the jokes out. They require some <laughs> workshopping in the moment. So <laughs> I will make no apologies for the long, audible gestation of that joke there. <laughs> so Jack, what did you think of Joker? Well, you know, I thought he made some compelling points about the state of our society. I mean, I think I would say... That the main one would be that, you know, if anything, sort of women have more rights than men these days. Men are sort of like the oppressed minority group now because of like, you know, the women won't sleep with the men, especially the nice guys, you know. It's all, the nice guys are getting, not the film with Ryan Gosling and um, Russell Crowe. You know, <laughs> the nice guys, you know, they're getting dicked over. Nice guys like Arthur Fleck, aka the Joker, really nice individual. Yeah, I've been red pilled, like I'm afraid to say, like the, the, the <laughs> film. Yeah, we weren't killed, but we suffered a fate worse than death, and we're both heavily radicalized to the alt right. I mean, <laughs> oh, no, I mean, no, the radicalization, the alt right dimension of it, it's fucking stupid, as if like angry young men never existed before the early 2010s and the lead up to Trump whenever, you know, those dipshits started posting their filth on the internet. I really think it's nonsense, like, <laughs> that whole incel angle. Like, there's barely any kind of romantic and sexual disappointment is not emphasised in the slightest in the film. Like, yeah. it, it's there, probably, simply because it's a thing that most people <laughs> have in some aspect in, in their lives, you know. Yeah, well, they might have a very, mm. you know, 
good romantic life, but they will have some sort nonetheless. So the film, you know, didn't fully portray himself as like as portray this himself. Yeah, time. Like, oh, I mean, yeah. I guess it did. I guess you don't see him having any actual uh, spoiler. You don't see him having any actual romantic relationship in the film because it turns out that he is imagining a load of shit. Because I was thinking that obviously the film draws heavily on a couple of Martin Scorsese movies, as everyone has commented, and Todd Phillips has been very open about. Namely, The King of Comedy, also to an extent, Taxi Driver. I was thinking, you know, wow, this woman is being, like, way more fucking, you know, she's giving this weirdo way more time than the character played by the actress, not the politician, Diane Abbott, in The King of Comedy. But then, actually, he was was just tripping, you know? Yeah, spoilers, people. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I I could kind of see that coming from a mile off, really. Yeah, which makes it actually very similar to King of Comedy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But do you think it borrows too much from it, really? Is there anything really original about what it's taking from King of Comedy? I mean, it's not original at all. Yeah. Yeah, it kind of feels like, you know, I mean, again, like loads of people have said it, but it sort of feels like this will be what films are like now. Well, they're a bit of a serious film, but also they've got this kid in them who, you know, will grow up to be this fucking guy who runs around and fights crime in a fucking bat costume in a few years time (laughs) so it's just got these little bits of fan service in it that mean it's not a serious movie but then it's kind of a perfectly serviceable (laughs) movie you know i i think i was saying to tom on the way back that it was always going to end up being my contrarian opinion that joker is like the only good superhero mm. film. It doesn't even have any. It doesn't have any. Well, that could yeah. that Unless, could yeah, that I mean, could be it. But I'm super Bruce Wayne as a kid, but hero yeah, slash villain film. But the way that this film has been trailed as this super reactionary thing, when in you know at the very worst, it yeah. is no more reactionary than your average, you know, shit-eating piece of of credulous propaganda for the military-industrial complex. Whitewashing propaganda for the military-industrial complex in in many cases now that that these big companies have decided that they can kind of make some money off sort of commodified dissent or, you know, show the, the barest form of representation. And you can't really object to it but you can't see it as particularly admirable as it's taken them about 10 years now (laughs) i i I guess i guess that's marvel but then you know you have this film and it's not high art you know it's not a great piece of work but it is kind of more class conscious than any of these films i've ever seen the class politics of this film are much better than nolan's batman films which are some super kind of like the madness of crowds, kind of uh, broken windows policing type stuff. They're all just about the poor being driven into kind of like mob madness. And and in in, in Nolan, to an extent. Yeah, in the Nolan film, of course, the the individual who ends up killing Thomas Wayne is just some, presumably, I think he's homeless, uh, you know, someone who's relatively poor. In this one, it's basically him sparking off this huge riot, isn't it, really? Thomas Wayne... Is, is he played by, like, one of the Baldwins? He, look, he looks uh, pretty Baldwin-ish. Yeah, 
I'd say so. There's there's a fair few Baldwin actors. So there's plenty of Baldwins. Yeah. Like at one point in the nineties, uh, I swear Hollywood was like predominantly Get us Baldwin. Yeah, and I don't then, care which one. Just, and then yeah. of course Canada famously bombed for Baldwins in the Free Speech Wars of ninety nine. <laughs> Have you seen South Park: Bigger, Longer, Uncut? Oh yeah, well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, right. Baldwin residents, no, this is Billy Baldwin. If you want Daniel Baldwin, call his extension. Stupid. Hey, Alec, do you know what sucks about being a Baldwin? No. What? Nothing. Yeah. Ha <laughs> 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 ha! You missed me. Yeah, he's basically played by a guy who. I haven't looked it up, but to all intents and purposes could well be a Baldwin. And, of course, Alec Baldwin famously plays Donald Trump, and Donald Trump uh, is an arsehole, and so is Alec Baldwin, and so you have all these mental connections being made, and you're like, this guy, he's a rich piece of shit. He looks a bit like Reagan as well. There's a sign in the crowd that says, Thomas Wayne, fascist. Yeah, that was jokes, and there was just one that was like, fuck Wayne as well, that made me (laughs) laugh. Although, I have to say, my favourite bit of on-screen text was the newspaper that said... Kill the rich! A new movement? <laughs> Question mark. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was absolutely howling at that. That was there fucking... was another one with the with after the killings uh, where he kills the three Wall Street bankers on the train. Yeah, uh, there was crazy zero... killer clown. <laughs> <laughs> there was zero laughter in the cinema throughout the film. Everyone was like, "Wow, this is some serious shit," which meant that I felt like the fucking Joker throughout the entire yeah. thing when I was laughing at all the really <laughs> funny bits. Like, well, there was a guy next to me who was humming to some of the kind of the music selection choices <laughs> that reminded me of films like. Watchmen or Suicide Squad at times. Well, it, yeah, it was. It wasn't over. It wasn't as I bad. I see as that. Those. Yeah, the, it the wasn't as pop bad cultural as stuff. Yeah, yeah it, it wasn't as excessive as say Suicide Squad, where it's literally one after another. Yeah, but there's still those selections in there that kind of like oh, okay, yeah, bit jukeboxy. Yeah. yeah, and yeah, it's retro music because the film is obviously set in uh, you know like the time that you imagine the classic Martin Scorsese shit taking place in. I mean, Goodfellas is, like, made in 1990, but that's mostly set in the 60s, so it's kind of a bit for 60s, a bit for 70s, a bit for the 80s, like, My- Michelangelo Antonioni's blow-up is playing at the cinema, as well as some random film, uh, like, some kind of cult thing, I can't remember yeah. the name. But the Irishman, though, you're going to get 40s, 50s, 60s, oh, wow. 70s, <laughs> 80s, 90s. Up to 2000? And all with absolute photorealism, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, like, Thomas Wayne is not portrayed in a very positive light in this film. He kind of gets into politics in the course of the film. He is very much... Again, this is why this is... Whilst I kind of like it, sort of, it's not a serious film because it is just using the stuff from Batman, not really carving out a new identity of its own. Thomas Wayne is, you know, who the guy you already know from the other things. You can make the yeah. easy connection in your, in your mind. It's but the same thing of where 
yes, he he gets killed and stuff. They don't they don't try and change it maybe and have him carry on and no, try, it's, try it's, not, it's try, exactly the same. It's yeah. exactly the same. Way. Although kind of his ex- existence is for him and his wife to get killed, he loses his parents. Yeah, so, yeah, except like when that happens in Batman Begins, it's like the worst thing in the world. And when it happens at the end of Joker, you're kind of like, yeah, well, that cunt sort of did have it coming, didn't he? Yeah. You kind of can assume in the Nolan films that oh, mate, Thomas Wayne, yeah, he might have been a really nice, like benevolent kind of guy. Uh, whereas in this, he's just a total piece of shit. He runs for mayor of Gotham on a sort of pro-wealth, pro-rich ticket. And at first he starts, <laughs> and there's, there's this obviously, it's when I was talking about overlap with the discussion I had with Yaya, this is what we were talking about. He, in something I find absolutely hilarious, he goes off of this massive speech on, <laughs> on live television about like, whether you have a red cake or a blue cake, a red cake with great big red cherries or a blue cake with great big blue cherries, the fact is you will not be able to eat that cake. You know, that, again, making a lot of use, just like the stupid ending of It Chapter 2, making a lot of use of the double meaning of clown as both uh, an entertainer who has big shoes and a nose that's red and red wears makeup and stuff and 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 also somebody who is not a serious person who is absurd a bit of a dickhead but you know that yeah, yeah that that is really an yeah. in vogue kind of play on words in in yeah. cinema at the moment it's a perfect way to describe a lot of labor mps <laughs> you got on there tom <laughs> so deselection express <laughs> So Thomas Wayne runs for office on this, I'd say, more explicitly pro-rich ticket than Donald Trump himself, because he does he does eventually start saying, well, you know, these poor people need me to lift them out of poverty. And again, this is kind of why I just don't think it's a particularly right wing film by the standard of mainstream American films, which are mostly quite right-wing in some way or another. I watched Steven Soderbergh's tax avoidance film last night, The Laundromat, and he, him and his writer, Scott Z. Burns, literally admit to fucking tax avoidance in the course of that film themselves. <laughs> They're just like, well, it's so normal, even we're doing it. It's like, no one's fucking forcing you. That's, so that's even, that's a progressive American film, and that's the kind of right-wing element there. So I really don't think the Joker is all that. The political right are explicitly shown as callous and cruel and snobby. You know, Thomas Wayne doesn't come across as a... <laughs> a good guy or anything yeah so after he makes this comment then like people start rising up against the establishment against the capitalists killing rich people i guess Is that yes the... there's a placard kill the rich yeah presumably that's the why message, the, the aims are conveyed through placards Pre- in the film yeah <laughs> presumably <laughs> kind of like the atlas shrug films you know they've got, lot, they've got got a lot of placards in the atlas shrug movies oh yeah oh god now, that was an early cut on real politics. <laughs> well, the very earliest. <laughs> and we have not recovered since. Hello and welcome to Real Politics, a podcast by Tom Foster.
Minister Jack Fenrir and Yair Rice, in which your three humble servants of a revolution struggled to determine whether works of cinema from through the ages are dialectically pleasing and, furthermore, ideologically correct, or whether they deserve to be consigned forever to the celluloid gulag. Paying penance for left with deviationist crimes, the condemned trio shall raid the bargain basement of history until their gibbering brains are reduced to frail, dusty particles of nothingness, forced to broadcast their pathetic final moments of agony by solemn decree of Commandant John McDonnell and his vengeful wrath. Enjoy the fun and festivities. By the way, Phil Greaves is not allowed to listen to our podcast, as he is a cop for the police. Tune into our first two shows for a thorough dissection of the bizarre polemicism of the Atlas Shrug movies, and then our third, as we dust off an old BBC documentary on veritable titan of racism Enoch Powell, with help from special guest Kieran Morris. Yeah, but presumably if the papers are asking Kill the Rich, a new movement, then I guess rich people are getting killed. <laughs> so the Joker, he like murders these three guys, doesn't he? Because so yes, the classic scene on the subway where these uh, they they do say Wall Street, don't they? Even they, though they're set in Gotham, they say they he says Wall Street later on in his on-camera address. I think they're identified as empl- they're coded as like shit-eating Wall Street assholes when they appear, but it's not explicitly identified what their profession is until after that, when yeah. for, for news reports and Thomas Wayne's televised interview reveal that they are investment bankers yeah. for Wayne investments. So right, yeah, okay. it is a bit of a weird incongruity when he calls them Wall Street assholes or whatever, because Wall Street is a place. Yeah, and we're in Gotham. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Wall Street is in New York. Gotham have a Wall Street? Uh, well, maybe, you know, cities do share street names, but yeah. it'd be a bit weird if yeah. two cities had a place called Wall Street that was a financial hub. I think it would be a, a complete coincidence. Yeah, well, anyway, you know, cinema sins can pick up on that when they <laughs> get around to this film. And this film, though, is like a lot of hype around it and what a dangerous kind of movie it is. And I have to be honest... Yeah, not not particularly, no. Like, I was, nothing, nothing worse than what else you're seeing in a lot of films, you know? Like, it's no worse. Well, like, hand on heart, I was quite open to the demonization of Joker. I was ready to take part in it. I initially... But, yeah, I, I, I liked some articles that were uh, <coughs> painting it in a, in a especially negative light, saying how reactionary it was. And that's probably spurned on by the comments made by the director as well, when he's, he was basically saying that... They're... No, that came a bit later. Oh, did it? That okay. was after I'd already kind of been put off by some of the, the backlash. Okay. No, I mean, I was just simply open to... I be, I wanted to just fucking cunt it because it was a superhero movie. <laughs> I was just like... When, I was just so lame. Yeah. Well, when people were just like, oh, this new superhero movie, it's bad. I smelt blood. I was just like, here we fucking go. Now's my chance to unleash all the arguments I've got about this whole arsenal. And people will not be like, hey, man, let people like the things they like. They'd be like... Yeah, I agree. You're you're brave. You're standing up against fascism and incels and stuff. I'd be like, yes, I am exactly. <laughs> um, and and um, and and then, 
I don't know. It was just the fact that it was just so many shit-eating liberals making stupid arguments that were just basically the kind of populism thing about how any kind of like anti-establishment sentiment is like the same as incels. <laughs> you know, the vast majority of the shit in this movie is class-based. You know, it's kind of yes. like it's 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 almost like a caricature of austerity. Just the, all the buildings are appealing yeah, and dilapidated. Yeah. His mental health, uh, his weekly meeting with mental health yeah, he advisor literally... is taken away from him. Yeah, they cancel meetings. Cuts and social cuts. Exactly. There's, yeah, there's those elements in the film. His social worker says they don't give a fuck about you and they don't give a fuck about me either you know they don't give a fuck about the social services or the people who need them which you know is kind of kind of true and you know incidentally i think in the 60s like there was kind of there was a trickle of kind of economic urban economic downturns deindustrialization in the u.s from kind of from the 60s onwards that peaked in the 80s under Reagan, but the kind of the process had been set into role in what people see as, you know, America's version of the post-war dream. So it's reasonably accurate. And, and of course, it's stuff that is happening to people now, <laughs> you know, like it is, you know, there's this idea you shouldn't sympathise at all with this guy. Well, you know, you can't, you are allowed to sympathise with him when they don't give him the mental health treatment that he needs. And you're especially allowed to empathise with that because that's a fucking thing that a lot of people yeah. will have been through in yeah. austerity regimes over the last few years, such as this one in which we live. But, yeah, you know, it's all just kind of like... I have to say, I thought it was a bit dodgy. The first thing they mentioned was that on the radio broadcast at the start of the film, they're like, the garbage strike is happening. The rubbish is piling up in the streets. I'm like, oh, it's organised Labour's fault, is it? It's uh, It sounded a little bit kind of like... Yeah, then it could have gone into that direction. When Tories talk about the 1970s, they're just like, the bloody yeah. unions were out of control, yeah. rubbish piling up in the streets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nothing to do with the Saudi oil crisis or anything like that, you know, just... No, no, they're good, you know. The Labour government in one country. Saudi Arabia are defending democracy against the Houthi Iranian hangmen. I can't believe you are so out of touch with ordinary working class people like me, my friends and mates, and the Labour MP Graham Jones. (laughs) Yeah, so it's kind of like austerity the movie. And some of the liberal discourse about it has been pretty just kind of like, he is just this resentful white man. I mean, yeah, I think these movies are 99.9999 times out of 10 going to be made with a white man and the Joker is historically like a white dude, but you could make a film about somebody absolutely fucked over by society who is not a white man who takes it out and goes in a very vengeful direction. And you don't have to think that what a lead character in a film doing is good or morally upstanding. (laughs) This is a really infantile thing that people have developed recently that films need to kind of teach people morals. Yeah. (laughs) It's just, well, how about, you know, join a political party, you read about politics. Yes, art can inform your morals, but you can't depend on a fucking superhero movie <laughs> to, to de- depict the world as you want to see it and you're not going to create an ideal world by depicting it in tentpole movies but are opium for the people so to speak well, I'll tell you what Jack I don't know about you but I'll tell you this right now Robert Downey Jr. deserves his Oscar for his portrayal as Tony Stark in Endgame it's just, you just need to accept it you know have people it needs, said pe- pe- that? People, people are petitioning yeah 
well, good luck to them. They're, you know, it's a waste of their fucking time, and, and, and at least it keeps from, from, you know, shooting up cinemas or whatever they else they could be doing. But, like, that was the defence of superhero movies when Martin Scorsese said that they're not cinema. Yeah, it wasn't it? Every, yeah, everyone, yeah. Like, it was that they portray grand legends of heroism and stuff. And I'm like... Yeah, well, it's not Martin Scorsese's fault, but like that kind of conception of heroes and villains is like just some infantile shit. <laughs> you know? It's not Martin Scorsese's fault, but like this ubermensch thing is totally fascist, and that putting that much weight on individual heroism rather than team effort. And no, the indiv- the Avengers is not a substantial enough team to be yeah. a kind of socialist thing. It's yeah, not really... it's not. It's not good. Yeah, <laughs> and it's not Marty's fault that that stuff sucks. And the thing is, as well as that, was probably just a qu- an offhand question that was put to him in an interview. Yeah, exactly. And he just gave a very brief answer on it, and it's just been blown up to this. It, kind yeah, of so like... it's been blown up to as if it's Marty waging this kind of, when it's not. It, Marty just, just answered, like he just answered the question put to him, and that was it. He's just he's like, just like oh, get just me a fucking my... journalist. Get me a journalist now. Yeah, he's yeah. just like, you listen here, you little motherfucker, you. I hate the superhero movies you motherfucker and if you don't print this I will fucking whack you that was 70 Scorsese when he was just fucked on the coke pretty much <laughs> <laughs> now he's much more kind of you know like, I try to get the centre of the, the story of the yeah I can't do an impression of him at all I, I, that was more like I, De Niro the one I did there yours is better do it again I don't really want. I don't want him specifically. Right. He's kind of. He's like. You gotta get to the centre of the, the story of the character the, yeah. <laughs> so speaking of De Niro Robert yeah. De Niro is he, in Joker. He's in Joker, and he's playing a role that's what his character in King of Comedy probably would have, if he if he did was successful. Yeah, ended up being essentially. Yeah. And people have speculated. They've kind of said, "Oh, it's fan theories are going to be." Oh, it, he's actually <laughs> Rupert Pupkin. No. Yeah, well, I mean, I think he's. <laughs> I can see that happening. He's more Rupert Pupkin than he is Jerry Langford, yeah. who's the character played by Jerry Lewis in the King of Comedy, who is in the talk show host role, the hero role for the protagonist of the film in The King of Comedy. In terms of, like, mannerisms and style of comedy, De Niro's performance is way more of a kind of corny-ass mugging that Rupert Popkin does. He's He's not assumed the mannerisms of Jerry Lewis. It is actually, I think, quite a wonderful reprisal of his character from that great film. And it did make me think, why doesn't De Niro take more bit parts in, like, quite decent films? He's only done a few. Silver Linings Playbook. Yeah, one, a little uh, bit in American Hustle, and that, yeah. it wasn't that good. That was, like, five minutes worth. Yeah. which he kills someone, I think. <laughs> Sweet. Well, <laughs> yeah. what we will say about Joker, we've already given spoilers. Yeah. If you're listening to, if you're listening to this, you should have watched the film already. Shame on you. Shame on you. This is, this you is didn't pay money to see... Society. Yeah. But whatever, go watch it, yeah. <laughs> more, con- more articles about controversy yeah that's exactly what they want you to do so you go and watch the film and Hell yeah. get the money for them you'll give them exactly what they want um, <laughs> what was I going to say <laughs> no, no, I was, um, what were we talking about before pause the recording and go about here we go it's the real real it's the real real it's the real real it's the real real
All right, so we forgot to mention something when we were reviewing the Joker last night. Sorry, Joker last night. Something that's pretty pivotal to the film. Tom, you seem to have some idea what I'm talking about here. What do you think I'm referencing? Gary Glitter on the soundtrack. Yeah, I was talking, about, of course, about the use of Gary Glitter on the soundtrack. I mean... People of this generation, young whippersnappers, might be forgiven for thinking, oh, it's uh, a great Kanye West tune, Black Skinhead, when you hear... Come about from the money that will probably be made because of that song being on the soundtrack. Yeah, but, but then it turns out that it's just because Gary Glitter's been exploited by his record company and they, <laughs> they own all his intellectual property. So it wasn't even... Look, it's okay, good that Gary Glitter isn't profiting off, off his, uh, his famous tunes so much. I don't know um, if this record company politics regarding Mr Glitter affects his royalties from the Oasis album What's the Story, Morning Glory. <laughs> which of course interpolates his famous song Hello, It's Good to Be Back in the opening track Hello um, but yeah apparently he is not in fact profiting from Joker uh, but he is certainly very very present on the soundtrack isn't he? It's, it, they play the track during the moment when he fully realises he's Joker and he's revelling in it yeah <laughs> so <laughs> yeah what song is it? What song is that? Rock and Roll Part 2. Oh, Again, okay. I know it because it's the one that Kanye sort of sampled. I think he, like, sampled a Marilyn Manson song that has, like, the beat from yeah. Rock and Roll Part 2. It's called The Glitter Beat. It's a, the Glitter Stomp. Oh, God. So, yeah. Yeah. That would, that would be... So that was another controversy that was sort of part of the film there. <laughs> It just, it just can't catch a break, can it, Joker? Joker, yeah. It's, it's just... almost as if it's trying to walk into these controversies, isn't it? Yeah. Anyway, that was a, that was a really important point we needed to make, so... We had to. We were duty-bound not to erase the, the Miss Glitter's role in the production from a historical record. I asked Tom, like, doesn't he get shot in Goodfellas? But I don't think he does, does he? He gets put in prison. That's it, yeah. At the end. Joe Pesci's the one that gets shot. Joe Pesci is a great he, scene of getting shot in Goodfellas. He, he's told that he's going to go and get made. But he's made it really <laughs> he got, good. He gets made a dead yeah, body. He does, yeah. He gets a dead made man. dead. Yes, exactly. Yeah, made a dead man. <laughs> <laughs> and he just knows that, yeah. Oh. Pesci's yeah. character's gone. Yeah. And he's just sort of smashing the... I wish we had more of that. It was nice seeing, you know, Robert De Niro actually seemingly trying in this. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. Because there's been films where, you know, quite recently he's just, yeah, he's looks very tired and doesn't really Most care Most films, really, from the last, like, 20 years now. Yeah. It's fucking hell, it's amazing so, to think it's been so... 20 years since the adventures of Rocky and Bullwinkle. <laughs> oh, come on. 
Fucking hey. Yeah, that was, that, that was what a way to start the new millennium. Oh, I know, man. Crazy, crazy. I'm not, cry- I'm not crying here. I'm just being high for hours. You've actually got really, tears in your eyes. I, 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 I've just been high all day and I'm really tired. My eyes are watering. I'm not crying at how badly Robert De Niro's career has gone downhill in or, the last two decades. <laughs> or the mention of Rocky and Baldwin. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> oh, sorry. I should start inappro- but, inappropriately laughing and no, sorry. Yeah. It's a condition I have. I just yeah. inappropriately cry when I'm finding things really funny. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You get to see like <laughs> Phoenix awkwardly, awkwardly laugh at a lot of stuff and cry at the same time. It's pretty. Yeah. It's pretty creepy. I guess we haven't talked about Joaquin yet. He was good in it, you know. I didn't quite agree with the, the the nice woman who did what was she uh, what's the job called ushering she she was the usher and she did the little intro speech yes and she said that it was his finest performance yet I have to say I'm not quite sold on that I think the master is a masterful performance if you see what I did there you know very um, good, very good. <laughs> slick operation there's more layers to that character in the master well and I felt like this was a bit of a retread and that just even in all the kind of like kind of repulsive physical stuff where he's kind of writhing about and shit there's a bit of Heath Ledger in it as well there is I felt mainly not too much though it's got his own little you know it's, it's not it's not because I remember when the, the, the pictures first came up from Joker and everyone was just like oh this is quite you know, the similarities to visually to Heath Ledger's Joker we're so somewhat there a little bit, but well, the long hair kind of came in, into its own when he dyed it, didn't it? Yeah, I mean, for, I was a bit disappointed actually by how he went kind of crazy at the end and really did just become this the character we all know and love. Mm. I felt like he was just kind of redoing the Heath Ledger thing. I have no recollection of the Jared Leto thing, probably for the best. But I felt like almost not like much of it. The, the <laughs> voice, <laughs> the voice, kind of became the same as Heath Ledger, and I, I thought kind of, yeah, not really is on the level of of his more understated work, or even but it's still not that understated. He's fucking just dancing around and going, and punching his shoulders and stuff. Yeah, I mean, he's obviously like a top quality actor, which is obviously why I was so disappointed when I heard he was going to do one of these kids films you know <laughs> this is not a kids film yeah sorry 15 15 rated kids film as i say the scene where he just brutally guns down the three investment bankers yeah and just the guys running away yeah shit. well i mean that was cool like yeah you know and again shoots robert De Niro in the face uh, and then only... after he's already dead he just shoots him again just running in the chest uh, like I... fuck it <laughs> i guess i can see the people who are doing like the moral panic stuff about this movie and how it's going to inspire people to go out and do stuff a, the assassination of Thomas Wayne. You're not really there feeling that sorry for the cunt. And B, when the Joker kills those fucking Wall Street guys, you're not really... You don't feel that sorry for them either. So, okay, I kind of get that with the moral panic stuff. They were harassing a woman. But again... Prior I, to... Prior to uh, they were, they were, they, they were. were they but, and then they start bullying him and they start beating him yeah. up. They're not nice guys, you know? Yeah. And obviously in their day jobs, they're actually causing more harm to the yeah. world capitalism <laughs> well like, well precisely and the villains of this film were basically capitalists i mean it's not like a pro like marxist revolution movie no, it no. is a bit all about oh look the mob are just going crazy but on the, on the other hand i like i said earlier i feel like it's class politics are better than the nolan batman films i've not seen the schneider affleck 
entries in the series, but I feel like a lot of those focused on the criminal aspect of people. And this kind of does as well. The Joker himself is a criminal, obviously. But I felt they really just kind of showed society is descending into everyone is out for themselves. As I say this, this film kind of shows that as well. I, I my, my whole theory is collapsing, but just give me a second. I'll, I'll, I'll try and grasp what I think. In The Dark Knight Rises, I guess, you have a kind of political dimension to the way that people express their dissatisfaction with society. But even that is portrayed as a fairly criminal, terroristy kind of thing. And again, just kind of breaks down into every person for themselves, whatever. In this, it feels like they are saying, you know, people have a reason to be discontented. There's massive inequalities. Social yeah. services are being At least cut. They, they have the time to fit that in. In Nolan's, like, Dan I Rises, it's just very kind of... Yeah, it it, it really just a very watery well, uh, mob mentality. Just yeah. Like, it, it just... Anarchy just erupts in, you know... It's kind of like... all well, It just creates a million little supervillains for, for yeah. the state. They kind of set... They, they do pay lip service in the Nolan films to, like, oh, there's a lot of poverty in Gotham. But really, yeah. that just manifests as a bunch of uh, superhero... You know mini supervillains pop up all around the city who are just dispensable pieces of shit who Bruce Wayne can punch to death. Bruce Wayne, the scion of wealth and privilege. And in this film, there's no people like that. There's no kind of, like, generic fucking villains who you see in these other films. I'm sure in Joker 2, when he starts to recruit his team, because there probably will be a sequel to this, and I probably will really hate it. You know, I, I, I can see at that point the faceless gangsters and villains start showing up. But Supposedly they're going to try and keep this to just its own standalone thing. They're not going to try and mm. work it into the DC or mm. those other I'll films. believe it when I see it. Yeah, and the thing is as well, Rocking Phoenix is not going to want to sign up to be in all those films, I imagine. You know. Yeah. I think he's probably maybe was tempted to just be in this due to maybe them saying, oh, we're just, it's not going to become part of a wider... I'm not going to doubt that there's probably going to be a second one, but I think that's probably, you know, it's just not going to become part of the wider one at all. Not that it should be, because those are fucking dreadful films. Uh, just to see yeah, I've not seen Man them. Of Steel. Yeah, what, you know, it's Zack Snyder. Zack Snyder! Yeah, not a filmmaker I can really, you know... I mean, I like Dawn of the Dead. <laughs> that's about it. Yeah. It's actually a pretty decent remake of a, you know, a, a classic film in of itself. Uh, <laughs> George yeah well here's the thing so i spent the entire fucking film wondering when is famous comedian and fellow podcast host mark maron gonna show up in the film <laughs> mark maron's role was so disappointing he effectively occupies the role as i'm not sure either a director or producer of robert de niro's character's tv show the role played by martin scorsese in the king of comedy uh similar beard which I think the look of the character was totally a tribute to Marty's look in those days. Yeah. And yeah, he's barely got any lines. He's just a lot more sensible yeah. than De Niro's character. He's like, hey, this guy seems... Uh, there's something a bit off about this dude. And De Niro's like, ah, it's got to be great television. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he's like, get him off, get him off. And De Niro keeps being like, so, you think killing people is good, eh? <laughs> Do tell. <laughs> and the Joker then tells 
These with, young with a gun. Men, you killed these young men. <laughs> I, I thought something that was... These a, young, innocent investment bankers. <laughs> just doing good in Reagan's America. I thought something a little bit incongruous, a little bit too self-aware, was when the Joker at the end refers to himself as a loner in his final speech to camera. Yeah. I, I, I thought it was not necessarily how he'd view himself because he very much wants to be, if not celebrated by people than infamous with people he wants to be yeah. in a society <laughs> for yeah. joker so so to speak i don't think he even really knows what he wants <laughs> he he just goes i mean the joker character certainly similar to heath ledger's one just just wants anarchy really. well in, i mean yeah in this film they're kind of just like well he's really mentally ill yeah, <laughs> and that's kind not. of like their explanation for it which is um, you know i think it's kind of fair enough it's not it's, highlights that, you know, it's not they need, you need mental health support i don't find it offensive as a you know kind of saying oh people are mentally ill who are like this i mean it's like if someone is like that i don't think their brain is working properly if they think they just want to like kill loads of people no i don't think that they're a mentally healthy person yeah. that doesn't mean that everyone who is not a mentally Absolutely, healthy yeah. person is one of them yeah. exactly but yeah i mean at least this film kind of had to say you know hey you know all those great villains in history you know maybe their social services had been cut <laughs> and it's kind of like wow someone said it like but this is this is kind of true people are yeah. not created evil Shit happens, you know? They are moulded by the world around them. Yeah. And so this is kind of an interesting origin story. Mm. I guess a final... And the fact it sets up, again, because this is a story that predates someone who will eventually go around in a bat costume. Yeah. Okay? That's the thing. If, it, if it's going to lead into anything with that, <laughs> at least it presets it with... If it was to get to that point, yeah, Batman against the Joker... You know, kind of, it's not... It's, it's less black and white, it's isn't it? It's less black and white, yeah. It's like this... Which would be interesting, and that's what I think would be interesting. Well, it's kind of like Bruce Wayne is a, is, is a scion of incredible wealth and privilege yeah. going around just beating the shit out of poor people, who, again, now this film Joker has had the decency to say, well, you know those guys who Bruce Wayne just, like, punches to death in, 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 in all those movies, yeah? Yeah, um, yeah, maybe they might have, like, suffered the, the crippling effects of austerity and had really miserable upbringings. And it's like, yeah. 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 <laughs> that's... that's well, I mean, think about it. If the most evil fuck in those films has been moulded by the world around him, then every minor character who gets baselessly bumped off in a split second by some grand, noble, fascist hero, you know, Ubermensch, yeah. then then that does kind of, like, humanise them a bit. I think that's a much healthier message than all the, than all the, the you know, the straightforward mythic heroism of of, of the, 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 that nerd who did that twitter thread really loves you know I, I, <laughs> like yeah i mean i think finally on on the kind of like moral panic around it and stuff like mark kermode kind of defended the film again i think this is overlap with my conversation with yaya but kermode kind of said we well, are not supposed to sympathize with this character it's like 
I think Mark Kermode has been drinking the liberal Kool-Aid. Yes, you are. You are supposed to sympathise with somebody when they've suffered an upbringing full of abuse. That doesn't mean when they have suffered the effects of austerity and cuts to social services upon which they depend, when they are deprived of medication, seven different types mm. of medication upon which they depend, which is not an absurd number. There's plenty of people who, who need various different medications. Who, when they live in appalling accommodation when they get assaulted by people regularly when they're abused verbally by their workmates you know and mistreated by their bosses then yes you actually are supposed to sympathize with them that doesn't mean that you're supposed to sympathize with their subsequent acts but it is kind of actually just sort of cruel to just assume that any kind of I mean, the incel thing. It doesn't really apply to a narrative like this, and you don't have to look at a narrative about kind of like a disillusioned person who resorts to violence and give it that connotation. Yeah. Also, I thought, I thought it was interesting, I and mean, this is really a side point, and it doesn't say too much beyond the superficial, but I thought it was interesting that, again, it's portrayed as this kind of like fascist incel film. That uh, there's, it's true. There's not actually that many women characters in it, but of the like three there are, two of them are women of color. I mean, if anything, that was probably something politically dishonest about it was that there didn't seem to be any kind of racial element. And so again, I don't think people can accuse it of having this like far right racist thing because if anything, that article that was like it whitewashes the racist history of Gotham. I'm like history, I'm like. Gotham. <laughs> if anything, that kind of had a point, because if, if it is about social problems in American urban society, then, you know, race does figure into that. But, I mean, yeah, it almost did seem like a little bit kind of post-racial. I guess they didn't want to open that can of worms at all. No, for me, the film didn't really kind of go into that direction at all. It was more class-based, really, wasn't it? Yeah, I, yeah so basically, again, I, I didn't feel like gender really factored into the story it told too much either, so it did kind of just no. feel... It was all class. There's nothing that stuck out to me where he's kind of like, oh, you know, women don't, you know, are repulsed by him and stuff, and he's, he can't, you know... There wasn't, yeah. there wasn't that much of that from really what I saw. Barely any. Yeah, barely, barely any. But again, this, this again shows you the whole coverage from the media on this film. It's been hysterical. I mean, and, I really and, can't... And then you watch the film and it's just like... But then again, you know, that's benefited the film because that means people have gone and seen it and they've just benefited the studios. Yeah, Warner well, Brothers are raking in the money. <laughs> well, I mean, shout out to David Edelrich who downgraded his review of it on Letterboxd from three to two stars when the real backlash about it being some incel film hit. And this was already a spectacularly cowardly fencing review. It was like, it's good and it's bad. <laughs> I mean, I think I'm fairly jokered out, you know? My eyes are just like watering so much. <laughs> Which is bizarrely. Thank God you're not wearing clown makeup. Oh my God, it would all be just dripping down. So, should people go see that? Uh, well, I wouldn't encourage, uh, you know, I wouldn't necessarily say that people 
should go and see it. I don't think you're that likely to get shot if you do. I'll be, I mean, I'll be honest. Still here. Yeah, I mean, okay, maybe it's a bit different in America, but I will say that the Joker wasn't even in The Dark Knight Rises, and I don't think there have been any mass shootings on Joker screenings yet. I think it's just, you are probably just quite likely to get killed in a mass shooting if you're, like, in America in general yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's okay you know maybe just download it when it hits the net but like it's got a fine sort of balletic performance from Joaquin Phoenix rolling and writhing around Uh, (laughs) uh, De Niro is really good in it I bet he's not got that much screen time if you add it up but he adds yeah it's yeah just the shit-eating showbiz vibes he gives off are great fun and, you know, it's a decent simulacrum of a serious film. I have seen people say, well, this is what films are going to be like in the future. You get your kind of slice of gritty, look at how austerity is hitting the poorest in society, but also, look, here's Batman. You know, <laughs> that might be what films are in the future. So, like, what, I mean, what, what other the films, like, you know... Oh, God. <laughs> the, what the next, you know, in the future, they'll probably they'll do kind of Ken Loach-type thing. If Britain ever does develop any kind of a film industry, they'll do a sort of Ken Loach-type film about the poor, but then, like, the main guy out of Kingsman shows up in the middle. You know? <laughs> I think it, this might be a Faustian pact that we see quite a lot, which is like, okay, you can make your serious movie, but you do it about this pre-existing property that has name recognition. I'd love to see Ken Loach handle uh, <laughs> something like that. Ken yeah. Loach is 28 days later. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think Loach himself would really do that. I don't think Martin Scorsese <laughs> would do that. I don't think old school guys are going to start directing these these types of films. The closest it ever came for Scorsese was him potentially producing this film and it didn't come to fruition. So. Yeah, what I will say is, like, is this is a good use of Todd Phillips' time? Like, yeah, fuck yeah. Like, what the fuck else is he going to be doing? Making more awful fucking hangover movies? <laughs> Shit, non-satirical satires? Like, War Dogs? Like, like, yeah, I would like to see, you know, Gigi Allen, what happened next. But the fact is, what happened next was Gigi Allen died. And yeah. there's only about, like, two minutes about it at the end of that documentary. So there's not much more to tell in the Gigi Allen saga. You know, this is the closest thing for, for us Gigi heads, you know? <laughs> really? <laughs> no, but it's a fine use. Yeah, it's, it really is a fine use of his time. And it's better than... For, for what it is, and it's much better than getting some, like, kind of exciting, innovative, creative indie director and giving them this big property and they sell their soul and then they're a boring fuck for the rest of their career. That seems to be happening with absolutely everyone recently. Yeah. You do one comedy that's with, like, a million-dollar budget and it's got, like, one famous person off TV in it and the next thing you've got a fucking Star Wars movie. Wow. Yep. Ryan Johnson. Yeah, I was thinking of, um, you know, Colin Tremolo or whatever. He's done a couple of Jurassic Park movies. He did the first one. Yeah, he somehow got... The, the reboot. He became like a big blockbuster. He dark. walked away from this one that's coming out. Yeah, well, yeah. he became. Let's go back to JJ Abrams. He became a big blockbuster director on the basis that he made that film Safety Not Guaranteed, which was just like a this low budget re- uh, time travel film. 
was it I, I, yeah maybe I, I, I just remember it being like an indie a quirky indie comedy but it's just like A it's so depressing but there's like nothing in between but this just like doing a sort of like yeah it's fine you pass it you watch it for the hour and a half that it lasts and then it's out of your mind it's kind of quirky and kind of fun kind of bourgeois and then like the next thing you know he's just gone into the big leagues and you're never gonna see this guy again oh except that actually that specific guy did make the book of henry which is insane i quite liked it literally no one else did but it is mad it's like one of the strangest films i've ever seen but you know what i mean at least they got some guy who was already a hack to do this it's a hack's best film it, it, yeah. it wouldn't be a good director's best film. It would probably be a low point in, you know, if they got, like, uh, Dennis... Well, directed it. If, like, well, yeah. yeah, but he, he... I mean, it would be more like Dennis Villeneuve. Denny Villeneuve, rather. Yeah. He, he, he would get it. It would be someone of that... Gen- Darren Aronofsky, you know. Yeah, yeah. It would be someone like that who does big studio movies but is more of a kind of out-of-the-box person. But, you know, the problem is that these people then just become less and less out-of-the-box until they're just making generic fucking wank like Damien Chazelle kind of like he was made some like tedious like going to the moon movie just a couple of years after Whiplash is <laughs> mad so Ad Astra is that no that was first man I think which nobody remembers just barely made a dent and it just seemed such like Oscar baity and then didn't get mentioned at all in the Oscar conversation yeah Anyway, I think we're both pretty somnambulant at this point. My thoughts on the Joker, I think, are pretty much out there now, really. I thought it was good that he didn't seem to kill the romantic interest, did he? Well, she didn't exist, did she? Oh, yeah, oh, oh she did, but yeah, he just imagined. Like, yeah, he, he, yeah, it looked like he just left her apartment when he went in there. And then there wasn't, like, a trail of blood (laughs) following him. So I assumed that he did just leave her apartment, which was good because I was like, oh, no, it is going to turn into a kind of, like, let's get revenge on the women who've scorned us kind of film. But it it didn't didn't, didn't go in that. No, apart from his poor mum. Yes. They seemed to kind of have it both ways with her. They were like, she was abused, but also she let the abuse happen. I'm just kind of like, what, did she let her husband beat her up then like how how are you supposed to judge that so uh, again like there are some bits of like really bad and clunky writing in the film you know maybe i'll wake up tomorrow in a cold sweat about this conversation and be like god i hate that film actually but (laughs) we'll have to see well we can always get it in the edit yeah yep that's our views on joker joker 2019 Uh, so much controversy for a film that really didn't warrant it all this sound and fury and signifying what for a fucking Batman origin Joker film. <laughs> yeah. You clowns. Well, Good night. you clowns, exactly. Still my favorite superhero movie. And again, here's the deal. If you want to quit making comedies like Todd said he, he did, if you want to quit doing comedy, fine. Just quit. Just don't do it anymore. But to sit there and complain that, you know, that it's gotten too difficult, well, then what are you? Are you just, uh, you, you just not good enough or you can't rise to the occasion or you can't figure out a way around a, a new perspective i mean that's just a deal maybe it's time for you to quit maybe maybe that's what's happening
It's exciting, it's young people, it's crowdsourcing.